sermon from the series. What's it been about? Talked about the greatest. What you guys got? Josh, what you got? Loving your neighbor, right? You're worth loving. And anything else? Forgiving others. I mean, that's true. That's what we talked about pretty much last week was forgiving. And not holding what? Garages. You want a Kit Kat? Yeah. Charlie? Kit Kat? Now, here's the other question. Who has a paper Bible with them? <laughs> I'm definitely talking to Gen Zers. <laughs> paper Bible. Hold a paper Bible up if you have a paper Bible. I see it, Brandon. Hold your Bible up. Proud, you phlegmatic. <laughs> it's in your car. Anyone else have one? Paper Bible? Is that yours, Landon? not a Bible. You get two for a paper one. All right, now if... Anyone have a notepad with them to take notes? No? Yeah. You're being at. Just kidding. <laughs> Katie's like, <laughs> don't you dare throw it at John. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Stop it. All right. Last question I have for you. What was the last three about? Like as a, like, as a whole. Because there is one for each individually, but they're all about the greatest what? Come from the greatest. What's that? The last three sermons that we did, all of them so far have been about what greatest, the greatest what? Found in the Bible, obviously. What you got, Sam? Greatest commandment. That's right. Greatest commandment. Comes out of Matthew 22. And I'm just going to say it again, just for your, your remembrance. You can say it with me if you want. You are to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. Mark had strength. And love your neighbor as yourself, right? That can be a hard thing to do. It's not easy. There's another thing about the greatest. There's a lot of different greatest things that were mentioned in the Bible. But one I really, let's listen up, guys. One I really felt like God was emphasizing for tonight was the greatest among you. Have you guys ever heard that phrase before? Jesus said, the greatest among you is, and then he explained. So we'll get into it. That's a little, little teaser to it. <laughs> My mom is pretty great, so yes. So I got something for all of us to do, and you guys are going to really enjoy this, and it might cause some fights. So everyone get in the middle. Everyone get up and get in the middle. You'll understand what I mean here in a little bit. Okay. So here's what everybody's going to do. And you guys can stretch all the way towards the back of the room if you want. If you're like, man, this is too crowded. Okay. If you want to do that. Okay. Listen up. 
I'm going to make two statements of something being the greatest. You decide which one you agree with, okay? Go to the left or right. We'll start with this. Coke is the greatest. Pepsi is the greatest. Choose your side. And you have to pick. No neutrality. You have to choose one. Coke or Pepsi? Coke or Pepsi? It's regular. Coke or Pepsi? Just Coca-Cola, Pepsi-Cola. Which is the greatest? We all know who the phlegmatic is. Isn't it? <laughs> all right. It's a pretty even split. Which one am I? <laughs> I have to choose. <laughs> I really do prefer the like vanilla Coke or cherry Pepsi. I'm like the normal one. I'm like, come on. But I usually grab a Coke. So, all right, get back in the middle. Now this one, it's amazing how such a trivial thing causes so much fighting. Hey, 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 hey. Thank you. All right. You want to come grab this, Kevin? <laughs> no. Thanks, Kevin. You can have one of choice if you'd like. <laughs> Okay, hey, listen up. Next one is the toilet paper roll. Is it over or under? For how the toilet paper roll goes on. Does it go over or does it go under? Which one is it? Over or under? Over or under? <laughs> Stay strong, ladies. <laughs> All right, I got to ask. Why is it under? Because it is. Then the cat can't roll it? See, I was always over until I had children. And then suckers just started playing with the thing. I'm like, no, there's too much toilet paper I've had to roll back up. <laughs> so, All right, go back in the middle. Here's another toilet paper one. This is going to make uh, some people <laughs> uncomfortable. When you do your business, are you supposed to crump it or fold it? <laughs> crump it or fold it? <laughs> toilet paper. <laughs> crump it or fold it? Oh, I love it. All right, go in the middle. Back in the middle. This one's going to cause some fights. Yes. All right, listen up. Grizz or cats? Grizz or cats? Got to pick. Got to pick. Grizz or cats? Riz or cats? Gotta pick. Gotta pick one. 
You gotta pick one. All right, your cats then. All right. All right, back in the middle. This one, the ladies probably, a lot of the ladies won't care. <laughs> no. Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox or PlayStation? Which one are you going to pick? Xbox or PlayStation? Xbox, PlayStation. Xbox, PlayStation. All right. All right, here's another one. iPhone or Android? Which one's your pick? <laughs> iPhone or Android? The wrong choice or the right choice? <laughs> hey, you guys are supposed to follow me as I follow Christ, okay? <laughs> I couldn't help myself. For the ladies, I guess this one's probably more ladies. Birkenstocks or Chacos? Which one? Birkenstocks or Chacos? <laughs> the ladies are like, oh, I know. Birkenstocks or Chacos? All right. TikTok or Snapchat? TikTok or Snapchat? TikTok or Snapchat? Whoa, whoa, whoa. All right, all right. We all know who the creative artistic ones are. <laughs> All right, last one. Summer or winter? Summer. <laughs> Summer or winter? <laughs> Stop it. Okay, go get back in your seats. Back to your seats, everybody. As long as it's down here. I don't know how many people would even know what I'm talking about. People have opinions on the most trivial of things, right? <laughs> People are willing to die on these smallest hills. <laughs> they really are. We all have opinions of what's the greatest, right? All right, listen up, listen up, bring it back. We all have opinions of what's the greatest. We also have opinions on ourselves as to who the greatest is. Some people are like, you got that right. <laughs> Look to your neighbor and say, who's the greatest? Who's the greatest? 
The way you say it says a lot about you. <laughs> but here's the thing. Who here wants to be appreciated? Raise your hand. Who here wants to be appreciated? You're like, I've got a desire to be appreciated. I want to be wanted. I want to be recognized, right? I think there's, there's something in every one of us. We, we crave recognition. We crave appreciation. And we want to be liked, right? If you don't want to be liked, there's... I mean, we can have another conversation. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> now, there's nothing wrong with wanting to be noticed and acknowledged. But it can get to a healthy, unhealthy point of wanting to be liked and acknowledged. And you, a lot of people, I mean, if you're not getting it, you'll do whatever it takes to get it. You'll go out of your way to be acknowledged. Nobody likes a narcissist, right? Who knows what a narcissist is? Raise your hand. Good. I'm glad. For those of you that don't, it's somebody that thinks they're the most important thing in the world. Have you guys ever met a narcissist? If you haven't, you might be the narcissist. <laughs> But nobody likes a narcissist. Sin wants to hijack, listen up. Sin wants to hijack our desire for acceptance by competing for it. By trying to get out of our way to get accepted. And oftentimes that equates to one of two things. We either push others down to have ourselves accepted or we try to promote ourselves. We try to lift our own selves up. It doesn't work too well. <laughs> If you've ever done it. There's a top dog mentality in schools. Would you guys agree with that? And I think it, it is just simply the culture of the world. If you go to public school, it's pretty normal. If you went to private school, it's there too. <laughs> it's really just because of sin in the world. The top dog mentality, it, it comes from the desire to want to be accepted that has been overtaken by your sinful desire. It's been hijacked by it. And it takes it over and you do things you know aren't right. <laughs> you do things that you know you shouldn't be doing. But the desire to be accepted is so great, you're willing to take those risks. Did you guys know that the disciples fell into this trap themselves? <laughs> they did. <laughs> it's kind of what I'm talking about tonight. <laughs> In Mark chapter 9... John, and New Living Translation is what I'm using for this verse in particular. What's that? No, I'm not using that one this time at least. <laughs> Mark chapter 9, this specific topic, it's talked about in many of the Gospels, it's not just one. Um, it's at least talked in three of them, if not more, all four of them. You know. But Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 37, the disciples do something stupid. Who's ever done something stupid? <laughs> Who's ever gotten found out for the stupid thing you're doing? <laughs> what was your response? <laughs> Did you try to just run your mouth to cover it up and get the attention off of you? Or were you just silent and quiet and you're like, ah, crap. 
<laughs> they found me out. <laughs> Some of you, you're like, that's me in school every day, <laughs> my teacher. <laughs> there was one time, I'll just say this. It's a funny story that applies to it. To get you guys to understand that, I can relate to you. Freshman year, there's a friend of mine. We always, after, after lunch, we had the last period for lunch. And the friend of mine, he would always get cookies, and they had the bombest cookies. They were so good. They have three cookies that you can get for a buck. And he would grab them right at the end and then bring them to class and, like, snack on them in our next class. <laughs> and him and I were highly disrespectful in class, disruptive. <laughs> that doesn't seem like something I would ever do, right? <laughs> and it got to the point we sat next to each other, and my teacher, and I was such a jerk, and I apologized to her later. <laughs> he was put in the front right of the class, and I was put in the back left of the class. She's like, you guys are on opposite corners. And the start of class, got cookies, and I'm like, yo, Forrest, up top. And he would, like, break a piece off, throw it across the room, and I'd, oh. <laughs> I'd be catching them in my mouth. No joke, I actually caught quite a few of them. But, Yeah. Eventually, she pulled us out of the room and had it talking to us. And I'm like, you're right. I'm a jerk. I'm so sorry. <laughs> Don't do that stuff, all right, guys? If you get found out, especially apologize. Own up to it, okay? But here are the disciples. They don't own up to it. Mark chapter 9, verse 33 through 37 says, After they arrived at Capernaum, it was the city they were going to. Jesus was traveling, doing ministry. And settled in a house. Jesus asked his disciples, what were you discussing on the road? <laughs> Wasn't something good. <laughs> they didn't answer because they had been arguing about which one of them was the greatest. Guys, that, it, such a dumb argument. <laughs> it's so stupid. He sat down and called the 12 disciples over to him. Because they were silent. They didn't say anything. I imagine he's like, so, gets to the house. What were you guys talking about, huh? <laughs> and they're just like. Maybe sundials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So he calls them over, sits down, and he, this is what he tells them. Whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. Doesn't sound like a top dog mentality, does it? <laughs> it's an upside down kingdom. It's totally contrary to the way the world goes. Right? And I read this and I'm, I'm imagining the disciples are like, wait, servant of everyone? <laughs> Even Judas? <laughs> they didn't know Judas was going to betray Jesus yet. <laughs> they probably said Peter. <laughs> Even Peter, the old guy in the group, <laughs> he was much older than the rest. But you have to be a servant of everybody. That's the position of the best. That's the position of the greatest. You guys want to be the greatest, what do you got to do? You serve each other. Now you might be thinking, well, I'm not gifted with being a servant. <laughs> I don't care, and neither does Jesus. <laughs> That's not the way the kingdom works. 
Somebody can serve, use their gift of servant to be manipulative. They can. <laughs> and then that's not actually serving. That's just choosing to do what you want to get people to do what you want them to do later. And saying, hey, if I scratch your back, you scratch mine. Knowing full well later on they need somebody's help. Oh, you owe me. That's something people can do. But this, this is what the kingdom looks like. This is what the kingdom of God is going to look like when it's fully revealed. We, we only see in part now. We don't see the full kingdom right now. It's a kingdom that's not yet, but it is here. Hard to understand. I get it. But the Greek word for everyone, get this, it means everyone. It means everybody. It translates the same into English. <laughs> The disciples had things backwards. They argued about this more than once. Even after Jesus corrected them the first time. That's the thing. It wasn't like he just heard it the first time or understood what they were talking about the first time and then just ignored it. And then after they argued about it like five times, it's like, all right, I need to address this. No, he addressed it literally every single time. And they still continue to argue about it. In one of the Gospels, it even accounts that they argued about it after the Last Supper. What in the world? <laughs> he's literally had his last meal with his disciples, and he's going to die for them all. And they're arguing about who's better. <laughs> but how many of us do the same thing? We argue about who we think is best. It might be just in your heart. It might be out loud. It depends on who you are kind of person you are. But either way, it's arrogance. And Jesus isn't impressed by it. The world says the way that the disciples thought. It should be no surprise that that was their perspective because that's the world's perspective. The world says you want to be the greatest, you've got to fight for it. Fight to be the best. Look out for number one. You're the most important person in your life, and you need to know that. It's not true. That is not the upside-down kingdom. That isn't what Jesus exemplified. Right? And we all know this, but so many times we forget it until Easter rolls around. And we go, oh, that's right. <laughs> you did die for my sins, and one of it is my pride. But this is something we need to have a continual mindset of. Jesus constantly did things for the disciples to paint a picture of serving each other, loving one another. Nice, Shay. The world says, brag about your accomplishments. Flaunt your trophies you got. Let everybody know you got them. <laughs> what is it really going to do, though? What difference is it going to make? Guys, Michael Phelps won so many medals. So many. He had an identity crisis because he was like, I'm the greatest swimmer in the world and I feel so empty. I have so many accomplishments. My name's everywhere. And I feel like nothing. It took him understanding your purpose isn't for yourself. Your purpose is to serve the Lord 
And one way that's done is also by serving each other. Getting all the accomplishments and acknowledgement you could ever want will not make you any better. It will not make you any greater than who you are. What makes you the greatest is God raising you up. And the way that's done is by humbling yourself and being a servant of each other, loving one another in the same way Jesus did. And it's not easy, right? Earlier I read that verse found in Mark. The disciples kept quiet about their prideful argument. Like I said, that wasn't the only argument they had of it. There's another time that it happened. In Mark chapter 10, same translation, John. Mark 10, 35 through 45. I'll start reading it here. In this specific instance, Mark 10, 35 through 45. In this specific situation, there's two of the disciples, and they were nicknamed the Sons of Thunder, rightfully so. They were very passionate, which isn't a wrong thing. If any of you here are like, I'm a very passionate person, God made you that way. That's not wrong. Just make sure it doesn't get hijacked. So James and John, sons of Zebedee, that's who their father was, came over and spoke to him. That's Jesus. And here's what they say. Teacher, they said, we want you to do us a favor. (laughs) Don't start your conversation with Jesus that way. (laughs) So here's what he says. And this blows my mind that he even asked this. What is your request? He asked. They replied, when you sit on your glorious throne, we want to sit in places of honor next to you. One on your right and the other on your left. But Jesus said to them, you don't know what you are asking. And I I appreciate the exclamation point there. He was emphasizing it. You don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I am about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism of suffering I must be baptized with? Baptism means immersed, so immersed in suffering. (laughs) That's a difficult thing to endure. But what do they say? Oh, yes, (laughs) they replied. We are able. Then Jesus told them, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup and be baptized with my baptism of suffering. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or my left. God has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard this, heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. That is a harsh word saying they were very angry. They were fuming mad. Red-faced angry. I've got to find my spot here. It says they were indignant. So Jesus, that's the place. Oh yes, we are able. Is it 41, 42? 42, here we go. So Jesus called them together and said, 
You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. I mean, he's talking about the Roman Empire. The very brutal, powerful empire that used force for everything. But among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your what? Servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. This whole conversation just sounds so arrogant, right? On the disciples' part, obviously. (laughs) The things that John and James say are so self-absorbed and egocentric. They're just so full of themselves. I mean, to even get to the point where you're willing to ask Jesus that question, I'm like, gosh, you need help. (laughs) Especially when he had already corrected their poor thinking. And told them, you got to be a servant of each other. That's last place. So I think of it this way. They go to him and they're like, well, maybe if we ask Jesus to put us in that spot. (laughs) Maybe that's how we can get it. Instead of putting ourselves in that spot. And just saying, I'm the greatest. I want to get Jesus to tell me I'm the greatest. That's pretty much what they did. It didn't go so well, right? We have this conversation, though. We have this conversation in our lives. We have this conversation with Jesus. When we come to Jesus, we often ask the same question. Or, I mean, they didn't even ask it. They said, Jesus, I want you to do a favor for me. I want you to do something for me. You guys ever felt that way? Okay. What's it doing there, huh? Uh-huh. Yeah. Have you guys ever had this conversation with Jesus? I know I have. Jesus, I really got something I want you to do. <laughs> guys, it should be the other way around. <laughs> Lord, what do you want me to do? God, I am your servant. I'm at your disposal. What do you have for me to do? We often have a list of requests we have for God, and they're often for ourselves. And that's not wrong to have some for yourself, okay? But when you're having this kind of attitude, it is wrong. Jesus, I want you to just really say I'm awesome. Guys, he already thinks the world of you. He died for you, right? Obviously, that hadn't happened at this point yet, but they had seen Jesus serve them. Constantly. Do so much for them. And teach them to do the same for each other. And they get to this point where they're so full of themselves. They're willing to ask just such stupid questions. (laughs) We also argue about how we deserve things all the time. You guys probably done some today. It's my turn to watch something. I want to sit in the front. You guys ever argued about things with your sibling? It's my turn. 
How come she got that? I never got to go. <laughs> Have you guys ever had those thoughts? No, never. Maybe this one. I did the dishes last time. Why do I have to do them again? <laughs> Guys, I do dishes all the time. <laughs> it's so annoying. But I never say, I ain't doing them this time. <laughs> Not this time. Luella, your turn. <laughs> it wouldn't work too well. Guys, it doesn't take long to search on social media and see people flaunting themselves, right? Their achievements, their accomplishments, trying to one-up each other. Sometimes they try to one-up each other with being stupid. <laughs> There's movies that have been out for it. One recently this year. I won't say the name. <laughs> but oftentimes, like I said, it's between one of two things. We either try to promote ourselves by lifting ourselves up, bragging about ourselves, or we try to push others down, tear others down. And you see both all over social media, right? See both in the schools. That's not the way we're supposed to live. The disciples had so many conversations like this. They did not impress Jesus. In fact, one of them, it says that he got indignant by hearing about it. It's like, are you kidding me? Again? <laughs> and he had to drive the point home even further. My question for you is your attitude, your behavior, how you behave in the world, the choices you make, are they impressive to God? You know how they are? By being a servant. Gets his attention. That's how he says, that person's the greatest right there. That action, that got my attention in a good way. That impressed me. Jesus said almost the same words to the disciples as he did to a crowd. And he was describing the wrongful actions of the Pharisees. You don't want to be lumped in the same category with the Pharisees. And for him to respond to them the same way he was responding about the Pharisees, that should be alarming, right? That should concern them. Because they knew the Pharisees. He talked about them all the time. He called them brood of vipers. They were constantly chasing after him, and it was clear they didn't get along too well. <laughs> In Matthew 23, this is the one I think you pulled up, John. John. <laughs> Matthew chapter 23, verse 11 through 12. <laughs> I think this is the one that you pulled up earlier. Matthew 23, New Living Translation is what I'm reading. It says, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves, that means lift themselves up, make themselves look good, will be humbled. And those who humble themselves will be exalted. Here's the way I like to put it. Humble yourself or life will for you. <laughs> it's going to humble you. And it really comes from God. <laughs> humble yourself or God's going to do it. And you're not going to like it happen that way. It's not gonna, you're going to look bad. 
You're going to feel bad. It's going to feel uncomfortable. Where does this wisdom come from? Jesus. Proverbs, I'm going to read Proverbs, I'm going to read three Proverbs. Proverbs 16.5, the NIV, John. Proverbs 16.5. Here's the thing, the Pharisees, hearing this, like it's, it comes straight out of the Old Testament. This perspective, this understanding of how to walk through life. To exalt yourself, you'll be humbled. If you humble yourself, you'll be exalted. You'll be lifted up. It comes straight out of the Old Testament, and the Pharisees were expected to be, they were known to be, and they flaunted themselves as being the ones that knew it all, the ones that understood everything. They knew Scripture. So they should know this. NIV, Proverbs 16.5, The Lord detests all the proud of heart. That's a hard pill to swallow, especially if you're prideful. The Lord detests all the proud of heart. Be sure of this. They will not go unpunished. You will get what's coming to you if you continue. And do not humble yourself. And no, it is not karma. (laughs) Some people have that perspective. That is an Eastern understanding of how things work. You'll get what you deserve eventually. If that was true, we'd all be in hell, right? It's not, the, it's not proper theology. Proverbs 27, 2, and this one's the New Living Translation. Proverbs 27, 2 says, Let someone else praise you, not your own mouth. A stranger, not your own lips. Guys, if you're in sports, you need to memorize this one. <laughs> I'm serious. If you're in sports, if you're in anything competitive, Know this. It could be sports. It could be a chess team. <laughs> it could be, I mean, it could be, hey, I know a guy, no, no joke. I mean, the kid was amazing at chess, but he would not shut up about it. The kid was like in seventh grade, and this was like six, seven years ago. No, 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 no. I mean, like, I'm, I'm serious. Every single Wednesday, that's all the kid could talk about. And he would talk about all the achievements he had and how awesome he was. And he was like, you want to play chess with me? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I absolutely do not. Because, I mean, it's just going to feed your ego. <laughs> because I suck. <laughs> I did not have the time for that. I was a new father and working 45, 50 hours a week and 18 credits a semester. <laughs> did not have time. No, I'm saying I did not have time. <laughs> I'm not bragging. <laughs> but guys, you need to memorize this one. And I really think just teenagers in general, this is, this is a hard one to apply. Because as a teenager, you guys often so much want recognition. You want to be acknowledged. You want to be respected, to be seen as somebody, right? And there's nothing wrong with that. But it doesn't come from your own mouth and work. You praise yourself, you'll be humbled. It's going to happen. And you're not going to like how you fall. It's not going to be good. Let others praise you. 
And some of you are like, well, I never have opportunities for them to pray to me. Get around people that are going to build you up. Get around people that actually care about you. Get around some exhorters. That's a gift of the Spirit. <laughs> Proverbs 29, 23, New Living Translation. Pride ends in humiliation. With humility brings honor. Proverbs 29, 23. Pride ends in humiliation. With humility brings honor. You guys want to be honored in your life. It comes with humility. Not being humbled. It comes with humility. You want to be honored? Do things that are honorable, which is not be prideful, not brag about yourself, not promote yourself, not say how amazing you are and how much you deserve all these things. God hates pride. It says in Scripture that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. You do not want to be in opposition to the creator of the universe. <laughs> it's not a good position to be in. Have you guys ever done an arm wrestling competition? Who here would be confident to arm wrestle Dwayne Johnson? Nobody, right? Yeah, well... Pride comes with humiliation, so. <laughs> God opposes the proud. Guys, this verse, God opposes the proud, is quoted several times in the, Old, in the New Testament. Several of the authors of the New Testament quoted it. Because they're like, do not be in opposition to God. Because <laughs> it, it hinders the kingdom being built. And that's not what we should want. Some of you here are very competitive people. You know who you are. <laughs> it's a difficult thing to carry. You need to be careful that it doesn't cause you to be prideful. Listen up, Zeke. I'm serious. You guys, you need to be careful it doesn't cause you to be prideful. Competitive people are often very passionate people. They can be very passionate. Not all the time. There's actually an explanation of how we're supposed to be competitive in Scripture. Romans chapter 12. And this is ESV, John. John's doing an awesome job, isn't he? Yeah, John! Romans 12, 10 and 11. Here's how you're supposed to compete with one another. Love one another with brotherly affection. Romans 12, 10 and 11. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal, but fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. I did ESV translation, John. I want you to see something about this. And I'm wrapping things up here. Famous last words, right? Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing what? Now, how are you showing honor? 
Humility, right? I said that earlier. Humility comes with honor. You want to know how you're supposed to be competitive? (laughs) By being humble. (laughs) Who's the most humble one? That's kind of what Jesus was saying with the whole conversation. He's like, guys, you want to compete? Compete to be the greatest. And that happens by being the lowest. Wait, what? Doesn't make any sense. (laughs) Bring yourself low. That makes the difference. You want to be awesome in the kingdom? I'm living the example out for you. And it's not me flaunting my ability over everybody. He just went and healed people because he had compassion for them. Not to say, check me out, guys. I healed like so many people today. (laughs) I raised people from the dead. What about you, Nicodemus? Did you do that? (laughs) No. (laughs) That wasn't the way Jesus walked. In this argument that the disciples had, I feel like we have no idea how it went. But I imagine it went one of two ways. They were either saying, I mean, Jesus, I'm his favorite, guys. Like, he takes me with him more places than you. I'm greater than you. Did he bring you up to the transfiguration? Thomas? No. I didn't think so. (laughs) Like, it could have gone that way. It could have gone, the other way I feel like it could have gone, is this. Them saying, I have been doing so much more than you. I have been working way harder for Jesus than you have. That's not true humility. That's pride. Saying, I'm working way more than you. I'm working so much harder than you. Why don't you just carry your own weight? Because I've been carrying so much of yours. That's two times I've had to say your name. Showing honor. That's kingdom competition. That's what it looks like. You want to compete. You want to use your competitive spirit. Use it in servitude to each other. Use it in loving one another, serving one another, outdo one another in showing honor. I love verse 11 because it brings into perspective having a passionate spirit. If you're passionate about something, that's not wrong. Unless you're using it for the wrong reason. You can use it in terrible ways. But Paul puts it into perspective here. Do not be slothful in zeal or excitement, passion, but be fervent The word fervent, I looked it up, it means to be really excited, really passionate about something. So it's almost like he's emphasizing it twice with two different words. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Use your passion for serving the Lord. That's what your passion should drive you to do, is serve God, because that's really why we're here. It's why God made us, is to worship Him, to serve Him, to love Him. And He brings the love back. He pours it out on us first, actually. And we're just giving it back to Him. 
We love because He first loved us. And one way we do that is by not just loving God, but loving each other. One example that He shares when He's addressing this argument is He takes a child, He puts him on His lap, and He says, This is the greatest in the kingdom. Kids were seen as nothing. They were seen as low, little, despised. Same with a servant, same with a slave. They were the lowest positions in society. And he's saying, the greatest among you is the least of you. That's the greatest. Serving each other, that's why I have you do what you do. It's not for yourself. We're not put on this earth for ourselves. Everybody stand up quick. I'm going to pray. Now, people don't always deserve to be honored, right? That's why this is often so difficult. I'll honor them when they deserve it. That's not what Jesus lived. Because we never deserve to be honored. Yet Jesus, he honored his disciples. People don't always deserve to be honored. But you fall into that category too. Jesus honored his disciples, even the arrogant ones, even the ones that were so full of themselves, which really, from that conversation, it was all of them, right? (laughs) Are you somebody who competes just to get on top? Or do you compete to get on the bottom? (laughs) That's the kingdom. I'm going to have the leaders get up here, and then we're going to get into groups. I'm going to pray, and then we'll get into our groups. God, we thank you for the example that you lived. Lord, you lived a life of true humility. You lived a life of true servant-hearted leadership. It was fueled by love, motivated by love. Not for yourself, but motivated by your love for others. God, I pray that we would be a people that would not be motivated with our desire to be appreciated, but that we would be motivated with our desire for others to be appreciated, for others to be loved and know that they're loved. God, I pray that we would get ourselves around people that have the same perspective. In Jesus' name.